All right, happy uh, impeachment week. I know I, I, there's not a single person that I know in this country, and I've been, I, I'm almost beginning to think, because I'm kind of a recluse and a hermit in my real life. Um, I really am. I'm a total, complete, utter loser. And I will tell you that I, I've been out more, obviously, with the holidays, and, you know, I've, we had our big party and all that stuff. So I have to go. Uh, considering it's my group, my party. But anyway, long story short, everybody I go, everywhere I go, walking in the streets in New York City, New York City, everyone's like, keep going, keep going, Hannity, keep going, keep going, don't stop, whatever you do, grabbing me, holding on to me, pulling me in and saying, you don't stop fighting. And the level of engagement and anger and this palpable fury building in this country, rightly so, for this abuse of power. You want to talk about abuse of power? That would be what the Democrats are doing. They are abusing power. Love what Alan Dershowitz said last week on TV. He goes, uh, yeah, the fact that the court uh, agreed with the president's lawyers that the executive branch, when in conflict with the legislative branch, has the right to seek remedy from the judicial branch. It it eviscerated the whole second article of impeachment, quote, obstruction, eviscerated it. It just destroyed it because what they're saying is, yeah, he does have a right to review like every other past president. Yeah. Executive privilege or there's never going to be any advice that any president in the future could ever get from anybody. Now, I'm saying all of this as some fascinating empirical data stuff is going on and and happening. You know, last week, you got to understand something was a great week for not only the president. But for those of us that have been digging deep and unpeeling the onion, we were completely vindicated. Dirty dossier was that it was unverifiable. Hillary paid for it was not only it was the entire FISA application. You wouldn't have had a FISA warrant. And by the way, as Attorney General Barr says, yeah, FISA surveillance, that is spying. Yes, especially when it's illegally obtained. And then the comments by the attorney general and prosecutor Durham about where they are and what they're doing and how deep this criminal probe has gone. You know, if you say, OK, Inspector Horowitz, nobody's vindicated in this. He's right. But it was a huge week for the president on a million different levels last week at last week, not the least of which is the vindication. And the now the the realization is sinking in that this is now real, because remember, Inspector General. He's already referred Comey and McCabe and Strzok and Page. The referrals have already gone out for criminal investigations and referrals for them. But he doesn't have the power to convene a grand jury and prosecute people. But Durham does. And so does Barr. And they couldn't be any more clear in where this is now headed. This is a big, big, big and a big week for the president on top of everything else that he got done in spite of yeah, the this the, the worst do nothing group of people I've ever seen. They don't care. They don't even care a little bit that they're hurting the country. And you're watching what what's happening with the president's approval ratings. Yep, they are increasing dramatically. When the Washington Post has to literally say these words, U.S. economy shakes free of recession fears in striking turnaround since August. At the U.S. economy and heading into 2020 at a pace of steady, sustained growth. And this dramatic turnaround in is momentous since uh, August. 
when some forecasters predicted a 50% chance of a downturn by the start of this year coming, 2020. Um, oops. If they have to admit it, you know they're in trouble. You know, we have what's over, what, six, seven million people now off of food stamps as a result of this president's policies. You have record low, the best employment situation in the country since 1969. Record low unemployment numbers for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment. That is huge. Um, It is, you know, now people are actually mocking the media at a level. And I'll get into this in greater detail in the show that we've never seen before. Now, everything that they have accused Trump of has now come full circle. The only Russian interference we really know about in 2016, what happened with Hillary's dirty, unverifiable dossier with Russian lies. That was likely, according to the New York Times, Russian disinformation from the get go. Oh, I would interpret that possibly to mean the Russians wanted Hillary to win. And this and this conspiracy theory Republicans and conservatives are trying to say that it was that there wasn't Russian interference. I've been saying it for how long? Putin's a bad actor. Uh, uh, Russia's a hostile regime. Had they listened to Devin Nunes in 2014, warning about Russian election interference in 2016, we would not likely not have had it. And who knows what other entities maybe linked to Hillary's illegal server that was hacked. You know, we're also involved. Now, the Ukrainian issue is separate and apart. You can actually have two countries trying to uh, interfere in the election. Just look at Politico, January 11, 2017. Yeah, they lay out the whole case. Then you can look at the Ukrainian court decision. Here's some other data that is just fascinating to me. There was a focus group in Saginaw, Michigan. Swing voters who went for Obama flipped to Trump. Quote, they are firmly in Trump's camp. Now, Michigan is crucial to this presidential race, as is Wisconsin. I'd even add Minnesota has a good shot of turning towards Trump. I'd say North Carolina, very important. Ohio, it's always important. Pennsylvania, it's always important. Wisconsin, always important. Florida, always key. But then you can add in other countries, Nevada. Then you can add in Arizona, New Mexico, New Hampshire. All of these, I I really want to see which countries get into play here. Anyway, they had a two-plus-hour conversation And this was in Axios, and they did this. The biggest takeaway from their focus group uh, of voters who flipped from Obama 2012 to Trump 2016, and now they're Trump 2020, is Trump won Saginaw County by just over 1% in 2016. Obama won it by nearly 12% in 2012. Now, look, it's, you know, it's a small sample, granted, but what they found is these voters call impeachment a distraction from issues that would actually improve their lives, like preserving Social Security, cracking down on illegal immigration, keeping jobs in the U.S. And by the way, between the lines, they write, these voters aren't sick of Trump's antics. Uh, As, quote, we're being told everybody is, they don't feel a sense that things need to get back to normal. Quote, Trump is their new normal. They have virtually zero trust in the media's coverage of the president, nor should they. Their support for the president is growing, even if the the country entered a recession or a full-blown trade war with China, because people like that we're fighting for ourselves and we're not getting screwed over by countries all the time. So, and you can add to that the level of interest in terms of engagement And I I told you this last week, one of the best barometers I have is TV ratings. I got them every day at 415. 
They come in. I go to my break at 420 or whatever. I look at them. You know, I don't really. Okay, how do we do up, down, where? But the left is so depressed. Not even they are jazzed by their own party's impeachment. By the way, I think my favorite line in all of this, uh, (laughs) you can't even make this stuff up, was Jerry Nadler on his own impeachment witch hunt. No, this is an ongoing crime. What did he write? i got to get the exact verbiage of this. This is a crime in progress. This, this is a crime in progress oh. against the Constitution and against American democracy. Uh, we cannot take the risk uh, that the next crime election will be corrupted through foreign interference solicited by the president, which, who, which he is clearly uh, trying to do. That is the single dumbest comment. Even, and that speaks a lot because now you're dealing with a lot of dumb people in the swamp. Um, it's amazing. We've chronicled. I'm going to get deeper into this with the ridiculous Comey comments this weekend and the Schiff show. You know, it was interesting to compare and contrast everything Schiff wrote in 2018 versus everything Devin Nunes wrote. Devin Nunes tells the truth and Schiff, well, he gave us a bunch of bullshit as he usually does. And he lied through his teeth. He is a congenital liar. And now the whole Democratic establishment's going over the cliff with him and the squad with Nadler and Pelosi clanging on to her speakership, which she will lose, hopefully, in 323 days. But I'll tell you, it is an amazing time. Um, and nobody that I knew uh, uh, that I'm running into is caring at all about any of it. Not even a little bit of it. Everybody's looking at it and everybody sees this for what it was. Now, here's some other data that I think is interesting. Now, the first person to pick up on the president's support in the African-American community, remember, he only got 8% in 2016. And remember, what he said is, what do you got to lose? Because we can chronicle and have chronicled all these Democratic-controlled cities and states for decades and how they've done nothing to help people. Nothing. 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more or... Uh, Eight million more in poverty under Obama, Biden. Worst labor participation rate since the 70s. So Zogby first picked it up. Now there's seven. He's now this newest poll makes it eight polls that now have the president. The lowest one had his support in the African-American community at 16 percent. He's setting on a monthly basis another record a month. Record low unemployment. How does he end his speech? You know, we are one glorious nation under God. We are one American family. And lo and behold, cutting taxes, deregulation and stopping illegal immigration means more jobs and opportunities for Americans. That's America first. Anyway, so Zogby first picked it up at 20. Now, of the seven that I told you about, one had the president's support in the black community at 34 and a half percent. One had him at 34. One had him at 33. Zogby, I think, if I recall right, First had him at 20. That was the first poll I saw that picked up on this. What has to be some, you got to pay attention to that. If the president got 16%, the low end of now eight polls support in the African-American community, it's game over. And I have hated this my entire adult life and career. This every two, four years, Republicans are racist. And I've chronicled all the, you know, going back, you elect Republicans, uh, black churches are going to burn. Oh, a cross is going to burn. Or it's like my father was killed all over again. Republicans don't even want to count you in the census. All that. Remember, oh, I, I, because it infuriates me because I've always known conservatism ending burdensome bureaucracy. 
Uh, yeah, it's stopping illegal immigration, which is, you know, low wages, less opportunity for our fellow Americans would all be a winner for everybody. And it's showing. And Zogby in this poll has the president's support in the black community at 27 percent game changer. That is huge. And it is not an outlier. That's eight polls now, eight of them. And the president keeping his promises, even the Washington Post recognizing where he is. You know, look at the new trade deal. Larry Kudlow thinks it could boost GDP by a by a half a point. That's massive. If the president pulls that off, why? Because they believe that he means it when he says he's going to hit him with tariffs. You got a new poll showing Trump's approval rating is now higher than all of his Democratic colleagues, which I found this is a new Monmouth University national poll. Uh, his favorability anyway. Uh, at 46 percent. And I still don't believe Donald Trump polls well and his approval rating continues to rise. And I think most of these polls aren't worth the paper they're printed on. Um, we'll get to the Comey interview, the shift show uh, interview, and we got a lot coming up today. So here's a president that kept his promises on taxes, promises on judges, promises on ending bureaucracy, promises on energy independence and the pipelines and even went to Anwar and freed up that promises fought hard. Now is getting the border money, you know, any way he can. He's got it. Plan is now to get 400 miles of new wall up by October of this coming year. Um, then you've got trade deals, Canada, Mexico, Japan, Western European allies, half a deal with China. Uh, you know what? And he, he's still tariffing China, which is great, too. Hasn't really hurt us. And if it helps our farmers out, that's all the better. So and then a rewrite of the largest trade deal, the disaster known as NAFTA. That, that's the president's doing. Democrats say we helped. Oh, we actually did one thing because you're realizing you're going down in flames uh, and this idiotic impeachment, you know, uh, bullshit show that you've taken the country on. It's unreal. Secured a victory at the WTO, coercing our trading partners, <laughs> our trading partners to the bargaining table. He's done it all. And you have all these great statistics, all these promises made, all these promises kept. For the first time in the real clear politics average, the impeachment is polling underwater. Whoopsie daisy. One week ago, well, it was 48 supporting impeachment, 45 against. Now that's a plurality. Now it was opposing it. Oh, I love how Schiff and he wants a long list of impeachment witnesses for the Senate trial. Oh, okay. And so does Chucky Schumer. Add him. He wants to add to the, We want to bring in John Bolton. We want to bring in, let's see, Mick Mulvaney. Well, that's being fought in the courts in case you idiots missed it last week. The Supreme Court gave Jay Sekulow three huge and Pat Cipollone three huge victories. Yeah, that is, they're moving forward with the idea. Yeah, they recognize that the role of the judicial branch of government is in part to settle disputes between the legislative and executive branches and that the executive branch does have a right to seek remedy from the courts when Congress is, quote, abusing their power. We'll tell you what Schumer said, by the way, about witnesses in the Clinton impeachment years. He's a big a hypocrite as Nadler and Schiff. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of the program. So, hey, look, they want to go over the cliff with Pelosi, Nadler, 
the, you know, of the, with one fact witness, whatever. So now th- they're realizing in the Senate, Schumer's realizing, uh-oh, we only have one fact witness. All we've had are hearsay and opinion witnesses, by the way. And the public is seeing it. Real clear politics. Yeah, it's now officially polling underwater. So now uh, now they want to add to the list. We want to bring in new witnesses here. You know, Schiff, I think there, there are any number of witnesses that should be called in the Senate trial. How about you? How about the non-whistleblower hearsay whistleblower whistleblower? New York Post actually identified the person. Um, how about, um, let's see, your staff. Let's see. How about, oh, we got others. Oh, yeah, let's, let's bring in uh, Hunter and Joe, quid pro quo Joe. Let's start there. I don't think they really want that. And Schumer wants to add to the witness list that he's now calling on Republicans to summon witnesses. Um, and he sends a letter to McConnell calling on especially wants Robert Blair, acting White House chief of staff, uh, Mick Mulvaney, uh, John Bolton and OMB, um, you know, for national security, uh, Michael Duffy. Here's the problem. Let's take a little trip down memory lane, shall we? Because Schumer uh, didn't feel this way back in 1998 when it was his guy getting impeached. Listen. Today, we are upping the ante. The president could be removed from office over a matter that most Americans feel doesn't come close to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors as written in our Constitution. I expect history will show that we've lowered the bar on impeachment so much we have broken the seal on this extremely extreme stream penalty so cavalierly that it will be used as a routine tool to fight political battles. My fear is that when a Republican wins the White House, Democrats will demand payback. Oh, so it's payback time. Now, the only difference is they didn't decide to impeach President Clinton before an investigation like Nancy Pelosi did before we even heard about a non-whistleblower. Then they didn't come up with these ridiculously pathetic, broad, weak articles of impeachment because their narrative about quid and pro and quo only applied to Joe and every witness had no firsthand knowledge at all. Five meetings after the phone call, aid wasn't discussed in the phone call. Uh, The president of Ukraine didn't know aid was withheld. The five meetings, they never discussed aid, not one time. What do you want? Nothing. I don't want to quid pro quo. Want them to, you know, be people we can trust. I don't trust the people you're hanging out with. So then now, and then the other hand, you could see Nancy Pelosi's like trying to pack her schedule with critical legislation. <laughs> well, it's been three years, Nancy. Where you been? And this obsession is now eroding. We have five aides to Democratic Congressman Van Drew in New Jersey resigning because the congressman met with the president, and they're thinking he might switch parties. We're hearing as many as eight might want to bail out on this whole thing. So, you know, so now Schumer's in a whole different position on this. Why? Because they're all hypocrites. They're all phonies. It's not going to happen unless they want Hunter, the cowardly ship and his staff, the whistleblower and Joe quid pro quo Joe to go in because that'll be exactly what is going to happen here. And I, you know, at the end of the day, I don't see them doing any of it. At the end of the day, I think they want this thing over as fast as they possibly can get rid of it. They want it out of the way. They, they, they can't even see their own hypocrisy in all of this. And in the meantime, the president's racking up success after success 
after success, and they don't even have a clue how they're going to handle any of this. Which brings us to Comey. A week ago today, Comey was claiming he was vindicated. And then Wednesday, Inspector General Horowitz goes before Lindsey Graham's committee. Uh, no, nobody involved in this uh, gets vindicated at all. You know, I just don't have an exact, you know, lockdown proof it was political, which I think was way beyond the benefit of the doubt. Remember, Horowitz has already recommended, uh, referred Comey for his past conduct, lack of candor, having government documents in his house that he shouldn't have had. And the same with McCabe on candor and lying and leaking and and struck and page. Uh, so anyway, so uh, this is amazing thing. So he finally admits, well, I was wrong this weekend. I was wrong. Oh, oh, you think that does it, Jim? Really? You just get to say, no, I was I was finally admit I have to admit I was wrong here. Uh, if you think that's going to cut it, I don't think that's going to cut it at all, because I think what we have is somebody that is just totally out of the loop in terms of who he is and what he's done. Although I really think he does know. This is my point, because I'm watching very closely. This weekend, I'm watching this interview on Fox with Jim Comey, and I'm paying very close attention. He was forced to admit he's wrong about FISA abuse. Here's the thing. He signed three of them. What did we learn last week? We learned that there was a dirty Russian unverifiable dossier that was used to deny an American citizen, Carter Page, his constitutional rights and civil liberties. We learned it was uh, we knew in advance, but. We learned also next week, some other last week, some other things. We learned that it was unverifiable and that we had already known they'd been warned numerous times not to use the dirty, unverified dossier because it wasn't verified and that Hillary paid for it, which they hid and that they tried to hide as best they could and that Steele had an agenda. And Steele, even himself, we knew, had said in an interrogatory, I have no idea if any of this is true. 50-50, I don't know. We find out that Steele only has one source, a subsource. And this guy was laughing. <laughs> this is like from a bar talk. We, this was never meant to be used by anybody, any place. So his excuse now is to throw everyone beneath him underneath the bus. That's not going to work when it's your signature and you were warned repeatedly not to use it. And the idea that you can say I was wrong, I was overconfident in the procedures that's your signature. That is, well, let's use the Rob uh, Rod Rosenstein standard, Jim, because you're not going to get away with, oh, I'm responsible for that. There was sloppiness. That sounds like Sandy Burglar's excuse. Oh, I just he was think sloppy. maybe this sloppy. is a case of sloppiness. I'm sloppy. sure it was a careless, sloppy, sloppy moment. Sloppy. And he admits this, and he was sloppy about it. He was I'm sloppy, sloppy too, so I can appreciate this. I am Obviously, a sloppy person. Obviously, uh, the sloppiness was not something that sloppy. we're going to regret later. And it was a case of sloppiness. Sloppy. 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 Yeah, you know how sloppy he was? He actually went in and took documents from the National Archives, shoved them down his pants, that's where your private parts are and shoved them in his socks and shoved them in his backside and removed them. That's not sloppy at all. And for Comey to say, oh, I was sloppy. No, you weren't sloppiness. Interesting use of terms. We now know Harwitz made clear no one at the FBI was vindicated. We now know Attorney General Barr and Prosecutor Dorham are taking this far and wide. We now know what the real standard for a FISA application is because, oh, his friend Rod Rosenstein, who signed the third renewal, fourth FISA warrant, 
what he had to say about FISA warrants. Listen. The way we operate in the Department of Justice, if we can accuse somebody of wrongdoing, we have to have admissible evidence and credible witnesses. We need to prepare to prove our case in court. And we have to affix our signature to the charging document. That's something that not everybody appreciates. Uh, there's a lot of talk about FISA applications. And many people that I, I see talking about it seem not to recognize uh, what a FISA application. A FISA application is actually a warrant, just like a search warrant. Uh, in order to get a FISA uh, search warrant, you need an affidavit signed by a career federal law enforcement officer who swears that the information in the affidavit is true and correct to the best of his knowledge and belief. Uh, and that's the way we operate. And if it's wrong, sometimes it is, if you find out there's anything incorrect in there, that person is going to face consequences. It was unverifiable. And it was spying. That's what a surveillance is spying. That's surveillance. You spy. And that was one step, two step. All things Carter Page led right into Trump campaign world, transitioned uh, world, and even deep into the Trump presidency here. So you got a situation here where they're trying to pass the buck. Uh, that's not going to work, Jim. And I think it's pretty clear from Horowitz and from Barr that they're not buying your BS or your bullshit, if to use a phrase, or your shift show. Because what they concluded is that Steele, we already knew, had an unverifiable dossier that used one subsource that laughed at the idea that any of that information would ever be taken seriously by anybody. And that the FBI leadership, that you knew who Steele was and you hid it. You withheld exculpatory evidence. Also, that was revealed last week. You know, the activities we found don't vindicate anybody here. Um, and specifically, Horowitz concluding the steel reporting played a central essential role in the decision to seek the FISA order. FBI leadership supported relying on Steele's reporting to seek it after being advised of concerns expressed by the department attorney that Steele might have been hired by somebody associated with the rival candidate or campaign. It was. Yeah, they were warned. Don't trust it. They did nothing to look into it. But they signed it to spy on the president, which obviously he hated. Now, when he signs the FISA warrant, one again, now he says he's he's verifying that to the best. He's a career law enforcement, an affidavit, a warrant swearing that everything in there is true and correct. Then he goes up to Trump Tower in January after he had signed the October 2016 warrant. January 2017 tells then candidate elect president elect Trump. Yeah, no, no. Um, it's salacious, but unverified. The exact opposite. And then he goes on to sign it two more times. Um, and he said, FISA abuse, not bad enough to resign over. Yeah, OK. Keep telling yourself that, Jim. I'd love to have Jim on this show. If, three you, if you were still there and all of this came out, I don't want to play this right The FBI wanted to wiretap based on an anonymous phone call we let, learned last week. That's the George Papadopoulos. That's that, that's what we learned here. And he'll join us today. The contact described by the IG subsource person one, Mr. Seal dossier source E, 20 minute phone call, primary person source one, providing critical allegations, Trump Russia conspiracy, one phone call. But as Kimberly Strassel points out, Fusion GPS, no, they were pushing it back in May, not the official start date of July, the end of July of 2016. You know, real sloppiness. Sloppy, 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 sloppy. When is it a apology going to Carter Page? Great piece. We should put it up on Hannity.com by uh, Jonathan Turley. 
Nadler, this is a crime in progress. That's my favorite. Not a punishment for past behavior. No, this is not a one-off. How many Democrats now are saying, yeah, we want to impeach him again and again and again and again? Um, and I will tell you, you got to always worry about some of these weak Republicans in the Senate. You know, you go back and, you know, how many of these people will want to throw Trump overboard in the, just before the last election? This is, but I, it, I'll tell you, it's a non-event at the end of the day. And I know some of you might be upset. You should be. Some of you are angry. You should be. But you, you know, as long as you see it for what it is, it doesn't matter. Their obstruction charge is now ridiculous, considering what the court did last week. The U.S. Supreme Court, yes, the executive branch in conflict with the legislative branch has the right to seek remedy through the judicial branch of government. Yeah, that's basic 101. And that was destroyed, as Alan Dershowitz told us last week. It destroyed the second article of impeachment. Now we have the nebulous abuse of power. What does that mean? I think the only person that abused power is quid pro quo Joe. You know, Schiff is claiming ignorance in his interview of FISA abuses. Yeah, if you compare, as we did last week, Adam Schiff's report versus Devin Nunes' report, Nunes told the truth. And the congenital liar, compromised, corrupt Schiff didn't. That's what we've learned in the last week. Now, now you can see what's happening here. This is where, this is who they are. This defines them. This is your modern democratic extreme radical socialist party. And if they ever get power, they want to spend 92, 94 trillion dollars on the new Green Deal in 10 years. Trillion. Everything's going to be free. No gas or oil in 10 years. No internal combustion engine. No planes and cows eventually. And everything's free. 94 trillion. We only take in 4 trillion a year. That's 40 trillion. Let's say we go up to 60 trillion. We're still 34 trillion short. Then you add an extra 52 trillion Medicare for all and you don't have the right to private insurance. How did keep your doctor, keep your plan and save money work out? Because, well, the average American policy is up nearly 200 percent and there's almost 40 full percent of this country has only one option in the Obamacare exchange. Every promise they made was broken on that. Every single promise was broken. So what are you going to do? Anyway, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the uh, program. And the president just keeps winning. And the polls have shifted. Keep going, guys, because you're killing yourselves politically. You don't get rewarded for doing nothing. American people are smart enough to see this for what it is. And I will tell you that what I like about where we are is people are motivated. People have a sense of fairness in this country, and they see this for what it is. That's why none of it bothers me. Not one little bit. Oh, we are prayerfully doing this. Oh, the vapors, the vapors. Oh, it's so hard. We don't want, it's all they've talked about for three years. So let's stop, you know, the lying, the shift show. Let's stop. Let's be honest. Yeah, we want to impeach him because we don't think we can beat him. And we didn't like the results because of smelly Walmart choppering Trump supporters, irredeemable deplorables. 
Horowitz says it wasn't part, as you told Brett Baer, it wasn't part of a broader mosaic. He said it played an essential role in establishing probable cause. In fact, he says, if it hadn't been for the Steele dossier, the FBI probably wouldn't have even submitted a FISA application that had been reviewed in April of 2016, or August, rather, of 2016. They decided not to do it. They get the Steele dossier. They do it. It wasn't part of a broader mosaic. That's what you said, sir. I'm not sure he and I are saying different things. What his report says is that the FBI thought it was a close call until they got the Steele report, put that additional information in, and that tipped it over to be probable cause. It's a long FISA application that includes Steele material and lots of other material. I don't think we're saying different things. Well, I think you are, sir, because he's saying... You're saying it's part of a broader mosaic. It's just one element. He's saying it was the tipping point. It's what brought it over. That doesn't make it part of a broader mosaic. It makes it the centerpiece of the whole FISA application and the ability to surveil Carter Page. Yeah, I don't understand him to be saying that. And I could be wrong about that. Well, I, I, mean, I, got, I got his quote here. Uh, he says, we concluded the Steele reporting played a central a central and essential role in the decision to seek a FISA warrant that had pushed the, the FISA proposal over the line in terms of establishing probable cause. I mean, yes. he says what he says. Words mean something. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with his characterization. I'm just confused. I, know, I don't see the disconnect between the two of us, and I'm sorry that I'm missing it. Uh, yeah, well, we now know it was everything we told you. The dirty dossier, bought and paid for, Russian dossier. Now, likely Russian disinformation from the get-go, according to the New York Times. Hillary pays for it. Funnels money to Fusion uh, Perkins Coie, law firm. They hire Fusion GPS. They hire foreign national Christopher Steele. Even Great Britain had problems. Um, hang on one second. Uh, even Great Britain had problems with, with Christopher Steele. They warned everybody. He, even the FBI had to fire him and still relied on him. Remember this one story you kept going back to try to get information to the special counsel's office through Bruce Orr. Bruce Orr warned them. Kathleen Kavlak warned them. Anyway, in an interrogatory, Christopher Steele, I don't have any idea if any of it's true. What do we learn from the Horowitz report? It was one subsource who laughed at the idea. Uh, this was like bar talk. Nobody ever took this seriously. Ser you mean hookers in the bed in the Moscow, Ritz-Carlton? No. So the idea that he could say sloppiness, just like Sandy Berger. Sloppy, 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 sloppy. We're all sloppy sometimes. Sloppy when you go to the National Archives and you shove documents uh, down your trousers and in your socks and steal them and walk out. That's not being sloppy. That would be premeditated. So the fact that he's warned repeatedly, premeditated fraud on the FISA court, Hillary pays for it. And then it becomes it was it was almost the entire FISA application. Everything that Schiff, everything that Comey, all these others that lied through their teeth. Devin Nunes told the truth in his report. The Grassley Graham memo, they told the truth. You know, the idea I was wrong and overconfident in the process. Well, I just played Rod Rosenstein. And what he said, a sworn affidavit, a warrant based on a you know career law enforcement, to the best of your knowledge, ability is true and verified. None of it was true or none of it was even verifiable. You know, well, Horowitz and I are, aren't saying different things about the role of the Steele dossier. Yes, you were. You said things that were wrong repeatedly. And the, the Steele dossier was the fact that convinces the FBI lawyers to move forward uh, you're the FBI chief. Excuse me. 
It's your signature. No one else's signature. Well, there are other people's signature. And, you know, him saying, well, Horowitz didn't conclude the Steele's reporting was bunk. Maybe he forgot that when his own FBI finally got around to it and finally got into what he himself signed, they were able to disprove over 90% of it. They just haven't been able to disprove all of it yet. I mean, you think about that. 17 significant failures, inaccuracies, and omissions. When you get to the subsections of it, it's over 50. It's not only really bad, but it is, he is a now proven liar. You know, and he has damaged the reputation of the world's premier law enforcement agency. It's been tarnished. Every person I know in the FBI can't believe that this is how he was supposedly serving the country. This is why Comey's not going to come on this program ever. You know, complain. Oh, it's vindicated. That's not what the inspector general said. Wiretapping, no wiretapping. Well, a surveillance. What is it? You're surveilling, you're spying, as as the Attorney General Barr said last week. You know, the single-sourced material, circular reporting, no verification, unverifiable, all of which is true. He signed off, signed three of those four FISA applications, three of them. And a year ago, he was saying that any talk of FISA abuse is just nonsense. That was a lie, too, because it was all true. We were telling you the truth. Nunes. Jordan, Meadows, Gates, Ratcliffe, all telling you the truth. He was lying. You know, there there is no answer for this. It was that bad. That's how much he hates Trump. And he turned the FBI, which has the most powerful tools of intelligence, against a political campaign he didn't like after he already saved his opponent from going to jail with the subpoenaed emails deleted. Bleach bit, hammers. Server. Then, of course, the, you know, the Espionage Act, that, those subsections. You know, it's, he refused to. The, why didn't he renew his security clearance, by the way, in this process? Because he didn't want to have to tell Harwoods anything. All right. Here to talk to the uh, legal issues involving this, Greg Jarrett, author of the bestseller Witch Hunt, the story of the greatest mass delusion in American political history. Jordan Seculo, by the way, his new book, they're both on Hannity.com, The Next Red Wave, How Conservatives Can Beat Leftist Aggression, Rhino Betrayal and Deep State Subversion. Greg, have you identified any potential crimes that uh, Mr. Comey could possibly face down the road? Sure. The, the most obvious one is that in January of 2017, he knew the dossier was phony, yet armed with this evidence, uh, the FBI was duty-bound to rush immediately to the FISA court, alert the judges it was all a fabrication. Comey did not do that. So in my mind... How many lies another... did you write about Comey in your book? I didn't count them. <laughs> well, get out your calculator if you really want to keep track of Comey's lies. But, you know, when you deceive a court, withhold exculpatory evidence, and when you find out that a key document in your warrant application is a lie, you must, under the law, go to the court and apprise them of it. He didn't do it. So he committed a fraud upon a fraud on the FISA court. And, you know, yesterday, as I watched James Comey 
I became convinced that, that Comey's next career is in stand-up comedy because his vacuous explanations were laughable. Now he claims, having been caught with his pants down, that he was not kept informed. I didn't know, he said, right. So why did he mouth off for two and a half years pretending he knew? Now, Comey is now the master of prevarication, deceptions, and lies. He has no equal. Uh, your take, Jordan Seculo. And by the way, congratulations to your dad last week. He was three for three with the U.S. Supreme Court. Not a small yeah, thing. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty busy time uh, for the president's legal team. And, and when we look at this, I mean, we remember that Jim Comey is Mr. Higher Loyalty, wrote the Washington Post op-ed uh, after the IG report came out, but of course, before the testimony, saying it fully vindicated him. Uh, then the IG testifies, you played, it didn't vindicate anyone who touched the FISA application. That would include Jim Comey. And he gave this bizarre explanation to Chris Wallace about how, you know, and Chris was like, you know, you're talking about a, investigating a presidential campaign and, and you're acting like you had nothing to do with it. At the same time, as Greg pointed out, you were testifying all about it. I mean, wh what gives here? Uh, you, you were involved, you weren't involved. I mean, you can't have it both ways. And he's, he's trying to take responsibility as like the former director, but saying I'm not I'm not directly responsible for this wrongdoing. I, I just you know the buck stops me. I get that, but it's not it's not my direct responsibility. Not the you know the 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 altering of evidence by Kevin Kleinsmith, the DOJ attorney, uh, in the document there to help push the FISA uh, uh, along with the dossier. I'm not really responsible directly. Well, let me for ask that. you both. And, let me uh, ask you both. By the way, at the same time, I I actually go back. I think. You could trace everything back to Jim Comey. Everything where we are today with the impeachment, trace back to Jim Comey. Let Mueller, me let me ask you I both this because I Comey. agree with you, but also I want to know what the White House knew under Obama and how high up did it go? Because you can't have a counterintel investigation without a president's approval. What are the questions that Comey really needs to now answer from a legal perspective? I'll start with you, Greg. Well, the question I would ask, isn't it true that three weeks before you filed the first FISA warrant and signed your name to it, saying that Carter Page was a spy, didn't you receive a letter, a copy of which I have and is reprinted in my book, in which Carter Page tells you, um, I have been helping U.S. intelligence agencies, in particular the CIA. I'm not a Russian spy. I'd be happy to sit down and talk with you. Isn't it true you received that letter and you knew that Carter Page was not a Russian spy, but an asset for the CIA? So why then did you hide that document from the FISA court? That document was exculpatory on that basis alone. The warrant would have been rejected why did Comey conceal it? Because he wanted the warrant and lied to do it. What do you? What questions would you like to ask? Uh, uh, Jordan oh, sure, yeah. I mean, Sean. First of all, uh, it would be why did you brief the Clinton campaign and not the Trump campaign? Great question. Uh, two. Um, uh, the I mean, which I think is egregious. Uh, two. Uh, no one is buying that you were not involved in this. So let, let's be honest. Under oath, how involved were you with this process? And as Greg said, why were you leaving out information? Um, and then it goes back to the, the next points, the next steps. He gets fired. 
You leak information. You get your special counsel. You you still have testified that this dossier is salacious and unverified, but you did nothing about it. And and also this idea that our FBI director actually you know told Chris Wallace that the FISA court is so difficult to process. Yeah, right. It's like the easiest court to get a warrant in in the country. I mean, it's basically a rubber stamp. Like a 99% approval rating, but we also learned that without the dirty dossier, they didn't get the FISA warrant. And that tells you a lot about how little evidence they had. They had none. So they had well, to we, well, out no the the bulk of the application over ninety percent of it it looks like was the, was the dirty dossier. So we also heard from Attorney General Barr last week, Greg, and we also heard from Prosecutor Durham. It sounds to me like this is going into every area that we believed it would, and maybe even beyond. I think Barr and Durham have already. Uh, concluded that, you know, the inspector general is an auditor, uh, a stenographer. He doesn't have all the evidence. They do. And, you know, when Barr calls the conduct of the FBI appalling and gross abuses and inexplicable behavior, that is a strong signal, together with Durham's expansion of his probe into a criminal investigation, that they may well have already compelling evidence of lawlessness and corruption. You know, they've gone abroad. uh, They've been gathering evidence. They have subpoena power. uh, They can compel people to testify, grand jury. So, you know, this, we're going to have to be patient here. Uh, It may take many months. Uh, But, you know, that's how cover-ups work. The truth is slow to emerge. In the end, I'm confident it will be and that people will be held accountable. Where do you see it going, Jordan Sekulow? Yeah, I think, you know, ultimately what we're going to see is people like Attorney General Barr, who empowered U.S. Attorney Durham, uh, to let them uh, go to the full extent of this, do the full uh, investigation. And as Greg pointed out, uh, the inspector general could only go so far. He couldn't compel documents, couldn't compel witnesses. You know, to go back to Jim Comey for a second, Jim Comey would not re-up his security clearance so that he could give information uh, to Attorney General Horowitz or interview with uh, with Inspector General Horowitz uh, over classified info, which would have been most of this info. So, again, I think what we're seeing is people like Jim Comey, who are very overconfident, starting to pull back because they're starting to feel the pressure of what a real criminal investigation is like. And it's one thing to be on one side of a criminal investigation, like they have been for most of their careers. And it's one other thing to be on the different side of the criminal investigation when you know everybody's coming, they're coming after you to look to see whether you committed any crimes. All right. Listen, you guys have been uh, amazing all the way through. Take a bow because yeah, it was full vindication. And I think it is just the beginning as Horowitz can't convene a grand jury. His purview was very limited in as much as he only was able to look into the DOJ, the FBI issues, both Barr and Durham have both announced very clearly that theirs goes far and wide across the pond. Issues involving illegal spying, outsourcing of potential spying, circumventing to circumvent U.S. law, abuse of the powerful tools of intelligence, all of it. And, you know, a lot of it wouldn't be possible if the media actually did their jobs. Anyway, Greg and Jordan, thank you. And speaking of the media, that they're that corrupt. They're that morally bankrupt at this point. All right, glad you're with us. 800-941-SHAWN if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. All right, let's get to our busy, busy telephones. Well, I, first, before I do that, I meant to get this in in the last hour. So there was a there was a shift show. 
uh, on The View this morning. Wow. And Megan McCain basically said, well, you guys don't want to hear anything that's conservative. You don't want to hear a different point of view. This show's biased. It's pretty funny. Listen to this exchange. My job here is not to litigate the ethics of it. I'm an ABC political analyst, along with being a view co-host. My job is to analyze the politics of it. And I'm telling you, the but I'm not talking about this, you. I'm talking about the I'm people you my that job are, are here. the senators that are in the Senate. Here's what's happening now. We're going to show ever. Girl, please stop talking. Please stop talking talking right now because you know what no what's problem. happening thank no, you no problem thank you i want to talk the rest of the show no okay that's i'm okay with that i'm okay with that if you're going to behave like this i'm not behaving like you anything. are you are just talking over perspective yes we understand no, that talk but you she... are but what you're doing no i'm not is your fr- so I... we're not doing anything how about this former fbi we'll be right back Oh, boy. How'd you like to be in that post-show meeting? I don't... (laughs) Unbelievable. You know, um, it's so funny. I don't think I've met a person that gives a flying rip about what any of these Democrats are doing except shaking their head and saying, what a bunch of jackasses. This is now three years of rage, psychosis, hate, do-nothing-ism. That's not anything to run on. I honestly am almost beginning to think based on at least the interactions that I've I've had. I've been out a little more than I usually am. I'm pretty much a recluse, but I've been out more than often, uh, more often lately. And it doesn't matter wherever I go. Every single person I talk to, don't stop. Keep fighting. These people are the worst. They're the worst. There's nobody that sees anything here. And that's why, you know, when I bring up all these issues regarding the media, I am I'm just. I'm telling you, there's something to all of this. You know, I mentioned earlier, I I tweeted out a bunch of stuff earlier uh, today on Twitter because I was like, you know what? I'm so sick of the mob and I'm so sick of how corrupt they are. And I'm I'm so sick of them lying and getting away with it because they do get away with a lot of what it is that they report as news. So I just went on a little bit of a Hannity tweet storm, hashtagging them all out, which I think is great. Fake uh, hashtag fake news, state TV. And and by the way, I don't have access to my account, so I have to get permission from the entire from all of my handlers that that won't give me back my Twitter. Anyway, the the mob is saying, for example, that conservatives don't believe in 2016 Russian election interference. It's not true. The person that warned all of us in 2014 and I linked to the article, I linked to exactly what Devin Nunes was warning in 2014. He warned us Biden Obama did nothing. How many times have you heard me say Putin is a hostile actor and Russia a hostile regime? I've said it a million times. Nobody's saying that Russia didn't interfere. Well, we what I am saying is we should care about all Russian interference because the mob and the media, the fake news, state TV people, they, they didn't care at all about Hillary's dirty, bought and paid for unverifiable Russian dossier that they used to deny Carter Page his constitutional rights and civil liberties and backdoor into spying. Yes, Attorney General Barr's words. Yes, that's what a surveillance warrant is about, spying, Um, which is another dumb idea. The media is pushing back on that. They're so stupid. But and, you know, none of them seem to care about her dirty dossier. They never cared about tell Vladimir her more flexibility after the election. So I linked to that today because I'd like to see them release the Obama-Putin transcripts. The mob is now peddling their own lie, their own conspiracy that 
oh, conservatives on Fox. Okay, that usually means me uh, is advancing a conspiracy theory saying that it was Ukraine and not Russia. Uh, Never said that. Never even implied that. Don't believe that. Uh, No, just I again, how many I believe Russia did interfere. We should have taken the admonition and warning of of Devin Nunes. Devin Nunes's report ended up being truthful. The compromised, corrupt, congenital liars report was full of lies, which we've chronicled here. And we should have listened to Devin Nunes. And I, you don't have to convince me what I think of Putin. I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. And I have the perfect plan to bring Russia and Putin to his knees. And that is now build out all of our energy resources, the exact opposite of what the squad wants to do. And in the meantime, we'll be energy independent, never relying on countries that hate our guts, the biggest net exporter of energy in the world will be able to get once we get that natural gas and oil over to our allies in in Western Europe. Guess what? It doesn't matter what Putin does anymore because they won't be relying on his hostile regime for their energy right now. You know, they're making Putin rich again by buying everything. So but it was no one saying it was uh, Ukraine, not Russia. But the mob is acting like, well, that's what the conservatives are saying. That's ridiculous. Um, because I can tell you this, yes, Russia interfered in 2016. Remember, even the New York Times finally admitted Hillary's dirty dossier was likely Russian disinformation from the start. Well, a rare moment of truth. But you can also have Ukrainian election interference. That is separate and apart from the real Russia election interference. And I tweeted out the Ukrainian court decision where it was determined Ukraine did interfere in the 2016 elections to help Hillary and her Trump. And as a reminder, I even tweeted out one of their beloved colleagues who now works for the New York Times at the time in 2017, on January 11th, writing for Politico. And they chronicle extensively how Alexandra Chalupa ends up going to the Ukrainian embassy in Washington, D.C. for the purpose of getting dirt on Trump and colluding with Ukraine to hurt Trump and his associates. All true. So, and by the way, you have to ask, I wonder now that we know when we were told that Hillary did have classified top secret information on that server as she was violating the Espionage Act and all its subsections before she then deleted and subpoenaed emails, etc. How many other countries might have also taken information from there? And maybe they tried to influence our elections. You know, think with all this coverage, maybe Iran, North Korea, China, all these countries like Putin that hate us may end up, you know, trying it in 2020. It's unbelievable. I love the first line, though, of this article. And it's uh, this was a great piece today. I couldn't believe it. This is in the Washington Times. It starts out and it literally says President Trump has broken the press in America. They're right. They're absolutely positively right. And then you get this Washington Times piece showing that, you know, nobody agrees on fairness, but beyond the president breaking it, nobody in the country trusts them anymore. They're never going to get that trust back. They don't deserve to get that trust back. They don't deserve it. Uh, All right, let's get to our busy phones. There's so much going on this week. Um, But I will tell you, there's nobody that is even batting an eye because of their actions for three years. Us laying out 2016, two days after the election, impeach them, all of 2017, all of 2018, all of 2019. And everyone rolls their eyes because it's ridiculous. 
Then we bring in these ivory tower legal professors from these liberal universities. One guy wanted to impeach Trump for tweeting out fake news. The words fake news. You should be impeached for that. Unbelievable. Uh, all right, let's go. William is in Florida, the all important swing state that we will be focused on in 323 days. What's going on, sir? How are you? Sean, thank you for taking my phone call, sir. Thank so, you. Um, my observation is all these Democrats that are in Trump one's districts, if they vote yes for the impeachment, they are committing political suicide. And the, the reason I think that is, is because there's more of us than there are of them. And they probably ran on, no, we're not going to impeach. But now all of a sudden they're going to impeach and they're going to be finding a new job. And Congressman Matt Gates said it best. If you're a freshman uh, uh, representative, don't buy in D.C. You better rent if you're going to vote yes. Well, I, I think that's actually good advice, too. Look, I can't I don't have a crystal ball. My take on elections is very, very. I don't know. Maybe it's because I, I remember when I first got a decent paycheck in my life. My father died. I'm now in my 24th year at Fox. He died six months after I started there. And I just mentioned, he asked me one day how much I was getting paid. And I told him, he goes, you got to save it. That's never going to last. So I was kind of brought up with that, that mindset. So that's how I view politics in 323 days. I cannot tell you with any certainty what's going to happen. I can't tell you what, what dirty tricks, October surprises, they're going to pull out of their hat. But I can tell you, if everybody recognizes and remembers what they're doing this week, what they have done the last three years, have they done nothing for the American people and how awful they have been to our president and how they hate us underneath all of it is a contempt for we, the people. Then I think he wins in a landslide on top of all of his success. All, and, and there has been a ton of success that he's had. If the president does that, he wins. If we do our part, he wins. You know, we're going to end up one way or the other with the government that we deserve. I know people don't like to hear that, but it's the absolute truth. You get the government in the end that you deserve. And, you know, but when the Washington Post even has to admit, as they did this weekend, the U.S. economy is now heading into 2020 at a pace of steady, sustained growth after a series of interest rate cuts and apparent uh, resolution of, of two trade-related threats mostly eliminated the risk of recession. U.S. economy shakes free of recession fears in striking turnaround since August. They were trying to talk down the economy. They were praying for recession like Bill Maher. So I just think I want everyone to remember this week. Take it in. Look at their three years. And then you play till every vote is counted as like it's a two minute drill, no timeouts, you're down by six, you need a touchdown and the extra point. That's how this has to be viewed. You're just gonna, this will be an emotional roller coaster year. I always tell everybody as I, you know, once they're done with this nonsense, I was supposed to be on vacation. This is my long vacation of the year every year. Um, when, once they are done with this nonsense, I'm going to go and get as refreshed as I can, rested and ready as I can. And then it's going to be an emotional roller coaster. I'm telling you, like you've never seen before. This will be a defining moment in history for this country. Not only that they'll impeach him and acquit him, but I predict if I had to predict, I'd, I'd like to say the odds are pretty darn good to reelect him. But don't take that to the bank. Act as though you're down by seven, by six. No timeouts, two minute drill. And you need the touchdown and the extra point to win. That's how you have to face this. 
You're in Florida, William. Your state matters. North Carolina matters. Uh, we have states, uh, you know, in Michigan matters. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio matter. And then we can add and build out Nevada, Arizona, um, all of these. Every state matters. New Hampshire, Minnesota, all states. You want to play everywhere. I'll give you the last word. I'm rambling. Go ahead. I think uh, I rambled so much. I chased him away. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Uh, more of your calls. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, George and Simona Papadopoulos uh, at the top of the next hour. And Mark Morgan, uh, who is the commissioner of U.S. Bus- uh, Customs and Border Protection for the Trump administration. All right, as we continue back to our busy phones, New Jersey, Dave Neck, Sean Hannity Show. What's up, Dave? How are you? Good, Sean. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, you know, for 243 years, America has been the greatest country. I haven't been around that long. I've been around for 55 of them. And I believe Trump is one of the greatest presidents we've had because he recognizes how great America is. We got 225,000 new jobs, 3.4% unemployment, a GDP that's top 3% already. The average manufacturing job is $88,000 in wages and benefits. And just imagine if the Democrats are with us. Just a hint and put all this impeachment stuff behind us, how great America would be really doing. And they would scare the bejesus out of the entire world. China would be begging us for a trade deal right now. We would be able to bend and twist them and demand anything we want from them if the Democrats were on our side. But Trump will get a trade deal done. Trump will get all this done. And it scares the Democrats because they've done nothing. Now, when Trump gets elected, we're going to have a 7-2 Supreme Court. He's going to close the borders and climate change is out the door. So there's a lot riding I, on I, that. I can't remember a president that after their first term has kept so many promises and whose policies have been this successful. I mean, he's fought hard to keep every promise. I think politicians ought to be rewarded for that. And I think when you when you don't have an agenda or your agenda is so nuts that you want to spend 92 trillion, not billion, not mil- trillion in 10 years and eliminate oil and gas, the lifeblood of the world's economy. How stupid is that? And then you want to get rid of the combustion engine. Uh, how dumb is that? And then you want everything you promise and everybody, everything's free. Well, okay, you can't ever keep that promise. It is mathematically impossible uh, at the $52 trillion on top of the $92 trillion for Medicare for all with no private insurance. It is madness. It is radicalism, socialism, statism, extremism. And it is there. Look, the bottom line is what I've been saying for a long time. They're hurting the country and they don't seem to care. They haven't done a thing for the country and they don't care. It's unbelievable. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. And John Durham traveled to Rome about a month and a half ago to learn about Joseph Mifsud from Italian officials. The next day is when John Durham's probe evolved into a criminal investigation. So clearly something they learned about this individual in uh, Italy resulted in them now having the ability to convene a grand jury, issue subpoenas and prosecute individuals. 
individuals who might have been up to no good when they were targeting the campaign. And let's not and let's not sugarcoat this. Okay, this was essentially an electronic government um, supported break in of the Trump campaign. And it makes Watergate look like small potatoes. You had electronic surveillance, wiretaps, human sources, informants, foreign governments leveraged to spy on the campaign, FISA warrants issued on members of this campaign and for a warrant that's usually designed for terrorists. And we still were able to overcome this and win. All right. Glad you're with us. News Roundup and Information Overload Hour. Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. That was George Papadopoulos. Remember his book, Deep State Target, which now has been corroborated and confirmed. And I'm pretty sure because we've been right from the beginning that um, what we now see, as he mentioned, the criminal investigation by Durham and Barr that has taken them to Italy And, oh, let's see, Great Britain and uh, talking to people in Australia and elsewhere. Uh, I have a funny feeling that there at some point is going to be a, uh uh-oh, we put an innocent guy in jail for two weeks and ruined his life for about two years. Anyway, uh, George Papadopoulos joins us now. His uh, wonderful wife, Simona, I became friends with them. At least I consider on my end, I consider you guys friends in the course of all of this. Thank you're you. definitely you're definitely a good friend of ours, Sean. Thanks for having us. Thank well, you. Thank I, you so I'll much, t- Sean. So I remember one conversation. I want to bring our audience a little bit behind the scenes. And if I recall, it was in the radio studio, um, George, and you, and you and Simona were there. And you were thinking about withdrawing your plea and your plea. You had already you had been sentenced to two weeks in prison. And I strongly by the way, this was unsolicited advice. My advice to you was don't do it, because if you do, I worry it's going to be two years or worse. And I said, anybody can suck it up for two weeks. Anybody can. Um, Did I give you the right advice in retrospect or did I give you the wrong advice? You, you know what, uh, Sean? Well, first of all, I obviously appreciated uh, your advice, and it was the—I think it was the right advice. And um, you know, unfortunately, uh, General Flynn is going through the same exact situation that I went through. Once you're basically uh, uh, forced or strong-armed into these type of agreements, so uh, through various threats uh, to your family or you know to become essentially bankrupt. It's very hard to actually withdraw, even if you wanted to, and even if uh, you do find that your case was um, essentially sabotaged, like mine was, and obviously General Flynn's is now. So, you know, my whole logic basically was the truth is on my side. I know I didn't do anything wrong to harm this country, but when the truth does come out, and we see it right now with Horowitz's report, we see it um, just from my own story being corroborated and uh the president uh, looking into these foreign governments, that I was going to end up getting these uh, deep state actors back. And that's exactly what happened. We now see Comey's reputation destroyed. He made a fool of himself on TV last night. Uh, Unfortunately, the good people who work at the FBI have taken a big beating because of the uh, cabal at the head of the FBI and other intel agencies. Let me let me let me dig into this a little bit deeper. But I, I did first interview Simona and I was beyond impressed. I think you guys you hadn't gotten married yet. And I was beyond impressed. I'm like, wow, she's she's fighting for you know, you that way. And it was impressive to watch it. And I know everybody thought Simona's a Russian. Everyone's reporting she's a Russian. Um, No, (laughs) she's not Russian. She happens. You were born in Italy, correct? Totally. I'm Italian, born by Italian parents in Italy. But uh, I have an accent and I'm a blonde. And uh, so I became Russian. And uh, that's how crazy they can fabricate lies from nothing. 
that I, I witnessed on my skin what they're capable of. And uh, I must thank you now, Sean, for giving me at the time uh, the opportunity to come to your show and speak the truth. In a moment in which George was restrained to talk to the media, uh, I had to fight for not only the, the, the men I love, but uh, for, for democracy, for something that was incredible. I mean, I, I, they were mischaracterizing Joseph Mifsud for being a Russian agent, and I knew Joseph Mifsud's connection in Europe, and I knew that all this Russia delusion was a, a total fabrication if the, my husband, George, that at the time was dating, by the way, uh, is the one uh, at the origin of an investigation while he has never been to Russia, he never talked to a Russian official in his life. I mean, this was hilarious. By the way, two countries I'd urge everybody, never go to Russia and don't go to Ukraine, because I don't see anything good out of either one of those countries right now. All right, let me just, so this IG report can, comes out. We now know that what we have been told, the predicate of this entire, you know, counterintel investigation was you at a bar speaking to this Australian guy. And that led to the whole thing. And I was I hope you never thought I was being insulting. I said, you were, you know, you are young and you are. What are you, 28 or you are 28 at the time? I don't know. And I'm like, I I knew almost everybody in the Trump campaign because that's my job. That's what I do. I didn't know you. And I'm like, okay, none of this makes any sense. But they they're saying that. But now we have evidence that appears that Fusion GPS. I thought this was a great, great catch by Kimberly Strassel last week. No, they were looking into this Russian Trump narrative in May. So I think they used you. I think you have a right to get your good name back, just like Carter Page does. Let's let's look at the facts. Um, The first thing is both Attorney General Barr and John Durham who actually have the ability to interview the CIA and foreign governments that were clearly involved in interfering in the democratic process in this country, took the extraordinary step to make two public statements, basically refuting the IG report's core finding that, A, that's how the probe actually started, and two, if there was a legal basis. So I don't agree that this actually started in this bar. Um, Even, you know, the attorney general and John Durham stated the same exact thing, because let's just look at facts. In 2015, Mike Flynn had the same two spies who were targeting me in 2016 after him, Stefan Halper and uh, Joseph Mipsud. If they were looking into Michael Flynn in 2015 and then they looked into me in 2016, how could this have started in July of 2016? It just defies logic. And secondly, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, sorry, um, I, I testified to both the FBI and Congress about this Australian diplomat in 2017 and said, this guy was up to no good. He was spying on me and uh, you should look into him. And clearly he was part of this operation targeting the campaign by the Obama uh, administration. And and George, part of the exculpatory information we now know, you said absolutely nobody in the Trump campaign had ever coordinated in any way that you knew of with anybody in Russia. And if you if that had happened, you would have considered that a betrayal against the country. So, so what I learned, the only really interesting uh, things about the IG report that shocked me um, that I did not know is that I had at least seven informants or spies, if you will, targeting me and trying to get me to say something that, of course, I had no information about. And you're absolutely right. 
uh, during one of these uh, conversations I had with one of these informants, I can't remember who this person was in the IG report, I basically told them, what you're talking about is treason. Donald Trump has absolutely nothing to do with Russia and colluding. No one on the campaign does. And what you're discussing is treason, and we have nothing to do with it. And, on, and, and what happened is, instead of the Comey FBI taking that information to the FISA court and saying, hey, look, you know, there, this is a nothing burger, nothing is going on, they withheld that information, and then they used bizarre information from Christopher Steele to target Carter Page and others on the campaign like Paul Manafort to get other warrants and to continue this investigation into Trump's presidency. So whatever they were up to, this was a dirty uh, group of, uh, of a cabal at the head of the FBI and likely the CIA. And I just can't wait for uh, John Durham's uh, probe to ramp up because uh, I think he has the real answers and um, this Horowitz report was just the beginning. So they took away my Twitter account, my staff, and I don't have access. I don't even have the password anymore. But uh, James, sweet baby, James passed along to me a couple of your tweets that you were hinting that something massive is is going to blow this story even more wide open beyond what we already know. Look, Professor Misfood, uh, Stefan Halper, uh, spying, illegal, uh, you Carter Page, uh, Sam Clovis, and and others. Is there something you know that you're hinting at specifically beyond maybe the outsourcing of intelligence gathering, spying on Americans, outsourcing it to friendly nations to circumvent U.S. law? Do you believe that happened, one? And number two, what are you hinting at? So number one, I do believe that. And number two, what I really think, and this is a, a prediction that I've been pretty right about everything I've been talking about for about a year and a half. So I think I'm going to be right about this. I think what Durham is looking into is a conspiracy case. I think what was going on here is these foreign governments were told what to do by the Obama administration, meaning target the Trump campaign with operatives like Joseph Mipsud, who was from Italy. Why don't you go tell Papadopoulos that the Russians have Hillary Clinton's emails, okay? That's what happened. But the Australians were meeting with me. This is something many people don't understand because chronology is very important. On April 20th, 2016, the Australian government made contact with me in London, okay? Donald Trump never said the word Australia. I've never been to Australia. And the Australian government had absolutely no reason whatsoever to meet with me in London on April 20th, 2016, a month after I joined this campaign. On April 26th, Joseph Mifsud gives me this fake information that the Russians have Hillary Clinton's emails. And conveniently, one week after that, on May 6th, 2016, Alexander Downer invites me to go to some bar and he's basically probing me about my own business ties in the past and uh, Donald Trump's campaign, et cetera. And this individual is a Clinton donor. He is a good friend of Bill and Hillary Clinton. And while he was the foreign minister of Australia, he funneled off $25 million of hard-earned taxpayer money of Australia to the Clinton Foundation. And this person just happened to be the source of this uh, rumor that had been circulating for months. Bring this to bring this world. home for this audience so they understand what you're saying here. I get it, but I don't think I think you're talking a little bit above people's heads. Yeah, what I'm what I'm trying to say here is that say it, say it plainly. This was, yeah, this was a conspiracy. The conspiracy was basically that the Obama administration weaponized U.S. allies abroad to feed fake information to me and other people on the campaign, only later to retrieve it at this bar that you uh, that you suggested in order to create an insurance policy to open up an investigation. And that's a conspiracy. 
if uh, the foreign right, governments I gotta, were involved in this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was done purposefully. It was done. The, it was a conspiracy. And we know who's involved, too, don't we? Uh, stay right there. Absolutely. George Papadopoulos, uh, Simona, his his wife, uh, 800-941. Sean, I want to ask you on the other side what you plan to do next. All right, as we uh, continue, George Papadopoulos, his wife, Simona, remember their book, Deep State Target. It's up on Hannity.com. All right, so you spent the the two weeks in jail. How many days total was it? You told me it wasn't that bad, right? <laughs> well, you know, well, I'm was, sure it wasn't, uh, but it was you weren't put in like uh, Rikers. You were put in a minimal security prison and a little more freedom. Simona, I understand, was there every single day, right? And came to see yes, you for hours there. on end. Yes, I was there. Absolutely, and my absolutely. By the way, you owe her a really, really good Christmas gift for that. Just saying. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so here's absolutely. my question. <laughs> what are you what are you both? What are your next steps? Because if this was me, mm-hmm. I'd be suing everybody. That's uh, well, OK. That's really my suggestion. I think I should go for it very soon. I mean, we need uh, uh, to, to make, uh, you know, to to. to uh, to make the, the people pay for what they did and uh, the way they uh, destroyed for two years uh, our life. But uh, this is also a story of resilience. Uh, George will talk about Raleigh's congressional run, and uh, I became uh, my own businesswoman. I created a special line. Uh, my statement is uh, called Agape by Simona, and my statement is you want kill us because we are innocent and we want to make a statement with positive. Uh, uh, Let me ask you this. Have you talked to your lawyers not only about potential lawsuits? Have you talked to your lawyers about overturning your plea deal? I don't know because you spent you already served your time. Is is there any recourse available where you can have this short of a pardon or something that you can legally have this overturned in a court? In other words, an appeal. So I have a. So I have a great uh, new legal team in, uh, in, uh, here in New York, and uh, we're looking at all options. And uh, we didn't think um, it was the right move to try and uh, withdraw from the guilty plea at the time. Uh, but clearly now with all of this new exculpatory information that's coming out, this egregious conduct uh, from the DOJ and uh, the FBI uh, conducted against myself and, and the campaign, um, there, we're looking into all, uh, you know, recourse right, right now. Uh, whether I, I got to let you go. Or, oh, I, 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 I don't mean to cut you short. I'm on a break here. But you're running in Katie Hill's district out in California. That, that's a pretty heavy Democratic district, isn't it? Well, well, here's here's the good news about that. Before Katie Hill resigned, uh, Republican held it for 26 years, and uh, the and the Democrats pumped 6.5 million dollars into her race. It's a purple district. There's a lot of grassroots uh, support. All right, give, give me campaign. your give me your website. I gotta go. People want to say hi, Absolutely. hello to both of you. Go ahead. What is it? Absolutely. If uh, people want to support my campaign, it's www.georgeforcongress.com. Help me take California back and make that state great. No, I'm only Thank telling you. people to say hello. I'm not telling people to donate because then they'll then I'll be arrested and have to spend two weeks in jail. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you so much. And uh, congratulations to both of you. Wish you the best of luck. We're going to follow your race closely when uh, when the time comes. 800-941. Sean, when we come back, wide open telephones, your calls, comments, questions. Yes, it's madness week in uh, the swamp. I don't feel one. I have not one negative feeling at all. Let the, when they, they want to jump out of the plane and and into an empty pool, go right ahead. That's your choice. We'll continue. All right, twenty five to the top of the hour. All right, remember you want to talk about how corrupt the mob is and how this is nothing but fake news, state run TV, and that's all it is. 
It's so obvious. And as the poll I mentioned to you earlier today, the public gets it. The public sees it. Nobody trusts them. They will forever have the words fake and news branded into their foreheads for all that they have done now for decades. Uh, Here's one example. Remember, at the end of the Obama administration, Democrats sounded like Donald Trump on border issues. We got to build the wall and we've got to, you know, uh, this is a real crisis and people are dying. Now they're open borders. Now they want literally every single person here to get free health care, whether you're an immigrant or not. New York just implemented a law. You can get a driver's license. You don't have to be a legal resident in the country at all. And even if you say illegal alien, which is the statutory language, uh, yeah, I could get fined up to $250,000 because I'm saying it right now in New York City. I know that's how if I if I say it in a way that they believe is the wrong way. Can't wait for de Blasio to challenge me on that. And I get to take, you know, his sorry, pathetic comrade uh, legal team to task on that. That would be fun, actually. Anyway, remember, they're all in. This is just one simple example. We have so many of these examples. Manufactured crisis, but only because Trump's supporting it. They, they sounded like Trump two years earlier. Listen, people who enter the United States without our permission are illegal aliens and illegal aliens should not be treated the same as people who entered the U.S. legally. If you don't think it's illegal, you're not going to say it. I think it is illegal and wrong. And the argument there, Mr. President, is Americans don't want to do the work. We just can't find American workers to do the work. Mr. President, that is a crock in many instances. It's just not true. We've got to do several things, and I am, you know, adamantly against illegal immigrants. People have to stop employing illegal immigrants. Come up to Westchester, go to Suffolk and Nassau counties, stand in the street corners on, in Brooklyn or the Bronx. You're going to see loads of people waiting to get picked up to go do yard work and construction work and develop domestic work. You know, it, this is not a problem that the people who are coming into the country are solely responsible for. They Senator wouldn't be coming if we didn't put them to work. The number of immigrants added to the labor force every year is of a magnitude not seen in this country for over a century. If this huge influx of mostly low-skill workers provides some benefits to the economy as a whole, it also threatens to depress further the wages of blue-collar Americans and puts strains on an already overburdened safety net. There are those in the immigrants' rights community who have argued passionately that we should simply provide those who are illegally with legal status or at least ignore the laws on the books and put an end to deportation until we have better laws. But I believe such an indiscriminate approach would be both unwise and unfair. It would suggest to those thinking about coming here illegally that there will be no repercussions for such a decision. And this could lead to a surge in more illegal immigration. Those who enter the country illegally and those who employ them disrespect the rule of law uh, and they are showing disregard for those who are following the law. Uh, We simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked, and circumventing the line of people who are waiting patiently, diligently, and lawfully uh, to become immigrants. President Trump must stop holding the American people hostage, must stop manufacturing a crisis. This president just used the backdrop of the Oval Office 
to manufacture a crisis. This is a manufactured crisis. No crisis exists, and anyone making the argument is most likely guilty of fear-mongering and willfully misleading the American people. Locals will tell him on the border, even conservatives, is that there isn't a national security crisis. The notion that we have a crisis there, a security crisis, is absolute nonsense. This is a manufactured crisis, and a crisis that uh, manufactured by the Trump administration. This uh, artificial crisis of the president isn't going to justify his uh, appropriating money for a wall that Congress is unwilling to give. Is there a crisis at the border? The president said there's a humanitarian crisis at the border. Is there? Absolutely not. We have a challenge. All our humanitarian issues are challenges for us. The big scam of the whole address was that there's a crisis. There's not a crisis. Folks, the president has manufactured one heck of a political crisis for himself. Donald Trump is manufacturing a national security crisis. You will hear them say is that this is a manufactured crisis. It's not a national security crisis. It remains a Seinfeld shutdown. All All about nothing. What happens when there is a real crisis? When there is a real emergency? Does he take to the airwaves? Do we give him the airwaves? Do we believe him? Some question if there is a crisis at all, as the president has claimed. There is not a crisis at the border. It's a manufactured crisis. Joining us now, Mark Morgan. He is the commissioner of U.S. Customs and Border Protection for the Trump administration. And he has experience on the border crisis, which is a real crisis. And uh, as former chief of Border Patrol under the Obama administration. You know, it's interesting because you lived through those final years. If I recall correctly, and I've actually played the tapes of Democrats, didn't they sound a lot like Trump in the second term of Barack Obama? Yeah, they, they absolutely do. And, you know, Sean, from a law enforcement perspective, you know, somebody has been doing this a long time. I think that's the most frustrating thing is that politics are absolutely getting away of the men and women of CBP from doing their job to safeguard the borders and protect the American people. It's disgusting from a law enforcement perspective that politics is driving that. All right. So I have been because we've been very fixated, obviously, 323 days until Election Day. But I've been pretty focused, pretty fixated on uh, the election. Obviously, the inspector general report confirming everything we've been reporting for two and a half years. And it's just it's just the beginning of what's going to happen. And also all things corrupt media and everything in between. And the crazy Democrats with their 94 trillion dollar new green deal and 52 trillion dollar Medicare for all. Uh, Both of those in 10 years. But I have not forgotten the border. And I've been keeping a very close eye on it. It looks like the administration, if they can tie up a few loose ends in terms of acquiring the property in the area that they need, I think the likelihood of 400 new border miles of wall by October of this coming year is very likely. Is that right or wrong? So if you would have asked me that a week ago, I would have said absolutely yes. But again, as an example of of just unbelievable lower court judicial activism, we just got enjoined uh, by a lower court in the Fifth Circuit right now that says that the uh, DOD funding that we received, uh, that we needed to build about 175 miles of that was just enjoined, and we are halted from uh, building a single mile at this point with that DOD funding right now, Sean. Uh, Just another horrible example of lower court judicial activism. All right. So where do we go from here? Because, you know, the look, the president's lawyers went three for three last week and the Supreme Court basically eliminated the second impeachment article by saying, no, yeah, the president does have the right to seek remedy in the judicial branch of government when there is a conflict between the legislative and executive branch. So where do we go next in the court system? 
Exactly. So we, we think ultimately we're going to win on, on the wall issue 100%, Sean. We're, we're going to apply for an automatic stay of that injunction. But keep in mind, we still have about 315 miles uh, of, of land that, that we, we have appropriations from different buckets, and uh, we're, we're continuing to build uh, a wall today, uh, yesterday, and we'll continue to build a wall. We, we've got a little over 90 miles that's built, and so we're, we're going to keep going. And you know this, this may set us back a little bit, but we're still going to be on track to, to get close to that. Okay, so even with this minor setback, how many? What what would be the minimal number of of border walls that you get? uh, Miles wall you get. I, I think we're looking at a little over 300 miles of, of brand new wall. And Sean, and you've, you've commented on this a lot, which I appreciate it. It's not just a wall. It's a wall system. It has integrated lighting, technology, access roads. And again, it's just an integral part of that multi-layer structure and strategy of infrastructure, technology, and personnel. But we're, we're looking to have well over 300 miles. All right. Well, that's all good news for the American people. Now, it what is. about, for example, enforcement numbers. I look at, for example, 42,649, a decline of 6% in November from October. That's really good. A decrease of more than 70% in terms of uh, the where we were at the height of the border crisis. And that means illegal immigrants crossing the border. Where are we with drugs, et cetera, uh, gangs, cartels, the people that, you know, where the 90% of all the heroin in this country comes from across the border. Uh, where are we in stopping that? So, Sean, that's a great point. We don't talk enough about this. So in FY19, uh, from October to October of this year, all the hard narcotics, what, what I call the cocaine, heroin, fentanyl, methamphetamine, all those skyrocketed up. CBP alone, we seized over 800,000 pounds of dangerous drugs. Think about that, 800,000. Our Air and Marine branch, they contributed to another 300,000 pounds of illicit narcotic seized. Methamphetamine, fentanyl, heroin, again, cocaine all going up. And methamphetamine, that, that we've seen a 68% increase um, in FY19. But keep in mind, so far this year, it just November 19, 73,000 pounds of drugs. That's a 40% increase from this time last year. And that's why I always say, make no mistake, every town, city, and state in this country is a border town, city, and state. If you have a, a meth overdose in, in Ohio, for example, mark my words, I guarantee you it came from the southwest border. Unbelievable. And how many people are we losing a week because of the opioid crisis? Uh, if you think that 90 percent of heroin that comes across our southern border is bad, uh, what percentage of the fentanyl is coming across that border? Exactly. So, again, the, the, Mexico is a principal supplier for like heroin and meth, but it's a, it's a major transit company. You're spot on for fentanyl and cocaine. Last year, 68,000 people in this country died from overdose of illicit narcotics. The year before, 70,000. This absolute crisis. Drugs are pouring in this country. And why Congress, uh, uh, Sean, why Congress fails to act, fails to act to, to address the humanitarian function we're, we're, we're experiencing on the southwest border, that means more agents more personnel are pulled off the line, more drugs are getting into this country. And the wall, it's not just about illegal immigration. The wall is stopping bad things and bad people from coming in, like the drugs coming in that killed 68,000 people. All right, Mark Morgan will continue to update it throughout the year and want to see how many miles we can get built before the end of the president's uh, first term. If it's close to 400, I'd say that's a huge, massive campaign uh, promise that's uh, been made and kept. Thank you for all you do and all your guys. Thank them for us as well. Thank uh, you, eight, you bet. 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of the program. Uh, Jerry, Florida, next Sean Hannity show. Jerry, how are you? Glad you called. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it. 
Hey, what's um, going on? Something I wanted to point out that I think that the Democrats they are terrified of this man, and it, they're and they're terrified of our youth seeing the success that he's producing. Uh, it's counter for everything that they've promoted, everything they've produced, everything the Dem or the Republicans have supposedly or conservatives have stood for has been that exact thing. And that is why they totally demonize him and they demonize Republicans because they need to make us look little or un, uh, what's the term? Uh, so nobody will have a sympathetic eye to us that is already in their, uh, their Democrat faithful bunch in the youth of today and whatnot. They have to turn them against us. And that's why this whole thing is, is, is come to such a head is he's exposing them like nobody has ever done before. This is what draining the swamp looks like. That's it. To sum it up, this is it. It's not pretty. I've never seen a swamp that uh, looked particularly inviting to me. I never want to hear a funny story. I was once down in West Monroe, Louisiana, interviewing my friends at the Duck Dynasty group. And Phil Robertson is the patriarch of the family. And uh, Phil literally, you know, said, was trying to get me to be baptized. Literally, he goes to me, let's go, Hannity. You want to get them ratings up? Let's go back in that backyard. I'll take you and I'll dunk you in that swamp. And I said, Phil. I said, take me to a pool. The answer is yes. I will accept Jesus into my heart, my mind, and my soul as my savior. I promise you. But I am definitely not going in that swamp where I saw alligators coming out of it. When you drain a swamp, this is what it looks like. That makes sense? And the swamp creatures are dirty and full of mud. A lot of little crawly things in that swamp, too. So, and hey, um, one, one other point, if I can. Real quick. All right. I really believe that that the, what the Democrats are trying to do is much more nefarious than even you point out on your show over and over again. They are so lustful for power that they don't care how many people die, how many people are injured and hurt by whether it's illegal aliens, whether it's criminals, people coming across our borders, how many people die because of bad health care from Obamacare, because then everybody would go for their single payer system. And, and they're, they're actually trying to solve the problems that they create by making bigger problems. Appreciate Listen, it's all true. They really do. Look, Trump has a way. I was just thinking about this as you were talking back to your first point. He does have a way of living in people's minds every second of every day. They can't handle it. It is uh, uh, the great irony is the big boomerang impact. And effect. It's worked every time. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Full, complete coverage of the madness that is Washington, D.C., the do-nothing Democrats, psycho impeachment, rage, hate Trump Democrats. Now, we've got uh, Carter Page tonight, Maria Baratiromo tonight, Kevin McCarthy, Greg Jarrett, Jason Chaffetz, Louis Gohmert, Pete Hegseth, Rachel Campos, Duffy, and much, much more. 9 Eastern, set your DVR, the news you won't get from the mob on the Fox News Channel. We'll see you then. We'll be back here tomorrow.